You're listening to Music Mythology. My name is Sam Romo, and let's talk about some music. It's really nice. I enjoy it. Yes. All right. So now, uh, moving on to Marvin Gaye. Um, I mean, we can talk about his career as a whole. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously one of the biggest aspects of his career is, uh, turning from just being a pop star to more of a social commentary type of protest artist. Um, I mean, particularly with what's going on. Um, but that was kind of his, has a big paradigm shift for how he approached music and also how kind of music handled him in the, mm-hmm. in return. Um, yeah, it's a very interesting person. Um, you know, grew up in a, a, a rough household, um, but was always still in contact with his family. Uh, writes about his family a lot. You know, when he's the when he's the writer, you know, that's one thing I noticed about his catalog is when he writes the content, he addresses family stuff like a lot, pretty frequently. Um, but his beginning career, you know, he, he was in the Air Force. Um, he was in the Air Force and was um, honorably discharged. Um, then he um, eventually met and uh, dated and eventually married, um, forgetting her first name, but um, it, I don't know if you can look that up, but his wife, um, Gordy, um, you know, like we mentioned. Anna before, Gordy. And she was the eldest sister of uh, Barry Gordy, who was the lead producer for Motown. Um, so through that, um, cause I know Marvin Gaye was musical, but I don't think he was taking that as a serious career path. Um, but through meeting her and Barry, um, and further exposure, like he, I, oh, I guess he, I know he was a drummer. I know he knew percussion. So through Gordy, he becomes a studio, like a session drummer and he does drumming. I know maybe for the Marvelettes, but I know at least for uh, Stevie wonder, and I think the Temptations, um, but I know it's, it's, it's for sure Stevie Wonder. Um, and then um, when they got married, I think it was the following year that they gave him a shot at uh, vocals, at doing the vocals. And um, and then, you know he had his first like success being written for, but performing duets with uh, Tammy Trammell, and uh, which their biggest hits were like. Uh, Ain't no mountain high enough, and uh, uh, ain't nothing like the real thing. And uh, I feel like I'm missing one. Yeah, there's one or two more, actually. I think. I mean, they had like two. I know they had like two <laughs> albums. I mean, like the, the the big the big singles. Um, and I don't know too much about their um, their relationship. Um, they were very close. Yeah. Yeah, he looked at her like a sister. Hmm. It really hurt him because, like you pointed out, he went into deep depression. Yeah, when she uh, died in yeah. '69, he didn't. In fact, uh, he didn't perform for several years. That's right. He did not do he, live. He, just, he did not tour. That's when he started growing his beard, mm. and he kind of walked, got away from his Polish pop, pop Motown pop look. Yeah, and kind of became that look that we see him with. You know, yeah, that that kind of comes out of that period. Like you said, it's it's a period of pressure. It's a period of, of crushing. He mm. goes through a deep you know difficult time yeah and and his marriage which probably either it contributed to the, his marriage falling apart or his marriage was falling apart on mm. top of what was going on but yeah. he had a lot of things going on that's very true i mean just looking at the album covers i mean he looks so polished and like oh, airbrushed yeah. i mean i'm sure i mean i'm sure his skin was just great but he just looks oh, you know it's yeah. just like that old school like you know, they look so perfect, like the crooner covers oh, and all yeah. sorts of stuff. So when you see the Temptations and the Supremes and those bands and Four Tops, they're all wearing the same uh, yeah. outfits. They're moving the same way. Tuxedos. Everything is yeah. choreographed. The songs are depicted. They're not saying write your own stuff and do your own stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I mean, let's, uh, this is a little bit of a tangent, but since we're just talking about kind of Motown and the dynamics of the music industry, like let's talk about Smokey Robinson for a second that you know he was the he was a great writer he was a great writing force but then the the label would took advantage they took advantage they did not give him a greater cut because he was producing or not he wasn't you know that's an annoying thing is he was he was doing like a majority of the legwork but he wasn't doing the final production yeah Um, submitted 
Yeah. And so, I mean, you know, they undercut him like uh, in a lot of ways, but I mean, there's a multiple artists that they did that way. Um, but with, with Marvin Gaye, I guess his, his familial connection kept him in like a, a higher tier of like, like, like we were talking about, like uh, when what's going on is going uh, happens, you have, um, his new approach to society after seeing how American society treated, you know, soldiers coming back from Vietnam, particularly, you know, his brother's uh, recounts. Um, uh, I, we just talked about, uh, Tammy Trammell passing away, him recalibrating how he wants to, uh, you know, live his career in the music life. Um, and then, he wants to write about it. He wants to write about how he feels, how he sees things. And uh, Barry Gordy didn't want him to do it. He didn't. Well, I thought it was kind of interesting. And I mean, the stories that I read, it's like, um, so the what's going on was originally like one song and it was written by a member of the Four Tops. Mm -hmm. And it was going to be a Four Tops song. Oh, wow. So like, I'll be there. Like <laughs> those, uh, those four tops, like a barbershop yeah. quartet singing right. what's going so on. Like, what's going on would just been like a catchy phrase. It yeah, it was more a beat or whatever. And it was an incident of like, they saw a police beater, the writer, um, what was his name? Ronaldo Benson. He saw um, like an occurrence with the police and he's saying what's going on as a question. Yeah. And then um, I like a few of these quotes here. Like they gave it to, um, they were trying to give it to the four tops and the four tops didn't want to do it. It was too political. Um, one little report that said they even tried to give it to like Joan Baez and she didn't want to do it because it was too political. Mm. So it's like, but he was in this mode when they came to Marvin Gaye, he heard about it, you know, going around in yeah. circles and said, well, you know, let me see it. Um, and the quote from Benson is, uh, we mentioned him for the suit and he tailored the hell out of it. So he just like mm. changed the whole song to make yeah. it not a question, like what's going on, but it's like a statement of, of this is what's yeah. going on. Like, yeah, we're getting through all these issues. We're talking about all this, da, 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 da. And then Barry Gordy said it was like the worst thing he'd ever heard. Mm. Like he didn't want to release it. Like well, they just had the single. And then his like side, like number two man was like, well, we have it. Let's just print a hundred thousand and see how they do. Yeah. Um, and well, then it was like the first week it sold out. Second week, they, you know, they produce another hundred thousand that's old out in the first week. Mm -hmm. And so they're like, well, let's try a whole album. Yeah. <laughs> well, like the, the, um, cause yeah, he gave him a shot. Cause I know he addressed him saying um, for the whole album. Yeah. yeah. He's like, he, but he had to he be coerced into that through the sales. Well, right. Yeah. But he, he didn't want to do it. And he, he was quoted telling uh, gay that I'll do it. But if I do it and this tanks, you're, you're done. Like this is your, this might be your last move. And, yeah. and, um, and luckily it did pay out. But the interesting thing is, uh, I think Marvin Gaye also kind of explained the album was most of it was written kind of like they would jam and they would set like a setting and he was just kind of doing riffing poetry over the general music of what was going on. And that would kind of gave the, um, that dynamic of, uh, cause of what's going on. I mean, a lot of the songs kind of, fit into that groove but at the beginnings and the feeling of it it's it's like he starts off like you're at a party there's the talking and mm. the, the the good you know groove in the background and then and then the the, the speaker the addressing what what he wants to talk about um anyways um so i was like i always like that because that's that is the feeling it's got this very unique feeling of like you feel like you're in a group listening to it even if you're by yourself because there's like you know you hear all the people and 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 uh the choir and the, the strings and the horns and all sorts of different stuff going on um and you have like tracks like uh mercy mercy me which is like again which is a beautiful arrangement um and addressing a lot of social issues a lot of uh, corporate issues all sorts of different things um but yeah i mean you could see how they could be hesitant because it didn't fit the pop formula and so yeah they gave him that ultimatum and then he he, he killed it and if I'm, I'm not mistaken, so what what's going on comes out in 70, right? 1970. Yeah, 70. And then 71, 71. Motown gives him a million dollar like bonus. They give him like some kind of like crazy like earnings. Um, but they didn't want to do it again because he wrote You're the Man. He wrote that entire album, which came out last year. I mean, literally, they had just they just released released it oh, last yeah, year. Yeah. And so You're the Man 
was his follow-up in the same context of what's going on. And I mean, and, and so they released a single, You're the Man, and it didn't do well. And that song isn't very, uh, it's not like what's going on where it's still got that uh, pop kind of feel to it where it's still like, it gets stuck in your head. It's I guess that's really, yeah, yeah, the melody wasn't yeah. really there. It was more of kind of what I was saying before. It's just poetry over music it's not like this really composed thing and so the single didn't do good and so they didn't want to risk it they risked it on what's going on and it got they you know came back to them in in tenfold it's almost like doing a low budget movie and all of a sudden it's or a pilot rushes yeah and it makes millions of dollars so they're they're excited about it but But we want more of that yeah we want that don't try something different or don't don't that's the interesting thing to me that because uh, I, I love that album uh, you're the man that's i need a, to listen to that it's a really good album like my favorite tracks are um where are we going um that's literally that's what's place. going on part two <laughs> i mean it is literally and that i just get the same like music and going like um, all, <laughs> like almost it's, it's almost like they took all the same session musicians and everything they're like all right let's just change up our speed and notes we're playing in and then let's just do it again from a different perspective let's run it and i mean but it's so good like it's literally like if you're one of those dudes that loves music and i love my ozzy osbourne because he always does the same stuff which he doesn't he doesn't like that's all i'm saying <laughs> but if you feel like there's that ozzy sound and you look for it every time yeah, you listen to it the then if what's going on is like your pinnacle of music then this this album is like falls one. right in line with it um but that one wh- where are we going is literally what's going on part two a uh, piece of clay is a phenomenal song it's a it's a slow kind of ballad but it's about it's about familial differences and trying to control other people i mean that's what the the term piece that's what that means piece of clay is i think the chorus is everybody wants somebody to be their own piece of clay um and it's just a very it's beautiful poetry it's an awesome song and uh, i'm going home is awesome um and a lot of it's familial that's what i'm talking about he talked a lot of it is him addressing his own family or just family in general and then there's two christmas songs on it that are very good one of them is kind of like a slow blues ballad and the other one's more kind of psychedelic mm, not it's not like super psychedelic but it's got so it's got really weird guitar play in the background and stuff um or in piano but it's uh uh the fact that the album wasn't released even though like what's going on had truly proven itself i mean literally there was like because I think it, it, it completely outdid like his two prior albums, oh, yeah. but they didn't yeah. care. Yeah. And so I, I, I haven't com- confirmed this in, in research, but just I had seen that they gave him like a huge cash bonus like that following year. So I wonder if they said, we're not going to release a second album. We're holding on to it, but we'll we'll pay you. We'll pay you for the work and just move on. Like this is not. Well, I see that as Motown's do. way of we're going to retain you because you're very valuable and you can yeah. make really good music that makes a lot of money. But we're still going to let you know that giving you this money, you're going to still kind of do the things we want you to do, which right. is we're going to put that on hold. You need to kick out a pop song. You need to do yeah. something that's going to hit the charts and you're still Marvin Gaye. And. I kind of think it fits into some of the things we talked about with what was happening in the in the sixties and with Buffalo Springfield and with the civil rights and, and Vietnam. Gay has gone through a great difficult thing in his life. He's looking at what's happening around him. He wants to respond to what's happening in the to his to his culture, to his life, but to what's happening in the country. And mm-hmm. so he 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 does he he's at the, like in a in a sense he's at the pinnacle of his of his of his career. Oh yeah. He's he knows how to write, he knows how to sing, he knows how to produce and he decides I'm going to do it all. I'm going to do this. I'm going to make this whole because that's one thing you, you know um, you read about it, what's going on is it was different in the sense that like like um I mean even a little one or two steps above uh Sgt. Pepper's or any kind of conceptual album it just flows into each song. Everything just kind of connects to the thing before it. Right. And it's like, he, he's like streaming his feelings and his music, but he's doing it in such a way that's so, you know, that's, that's, that's melodic. It's, it's, it's pop. It's, I mean, it's everything. It's doing it right. And it's doing it with that voice of his. So he, he, uh, they know they can't get, they can't lose him, you know, because they probably realize, Hey, this, this guy could go on and start doing things by himself. Mm-hmm. We better right. we better keep him. We got to do something. We'll give him a good chunk of money <laughs> and let him know we want him. But if he's going to stay, he's going to have to do some of the stuff that we want him to do. Mm. He can't just start doing all this stuff he wants to do. Well, as I say, because they just did um, Trouble Man was his like next 
in, you know, actual release chronological, he did Trouble Man, which was a soundtrack for this film that Motown was kind of like branching off to and really supporting. And they were trying to build up like that whole other branch of revenue for them. Mm, and so he did the soundtrack for that and kind of started like, you know, that celebrity producer or whatever, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. this artist is going to do that. Um, but that was his next one. And so Trouble Man is still, um, I think it's on, well, I'm trying to <laughs> so many of the greatest hits of him. Is it on what's going on? Or sometimes no, it's included it, in that? Or it's just a separate thing? It's own album. No, it is its own album, but, but he, I'm trying to think of that one song. song that, that's like on the deluxe edition. Yeah, I was say that one on. song is sometimes included on what's going on because it's so in line with that. <laughs> mm. But that was actually his next thing. Huh. Uh, this other article I found said that Marvin Gaye actually pulled it back from being released after the flop of the single on it and his sort of disagreements with Barry Gordy politically. Mm. But that makes me think, I mean, like in the sixties and the seventies would be even harder. So it kind of in contrast to like your Buffalo Springfield, being able to say all these things like openly and point out and say, you know, like what's wrong with this time. It wasn't quite the same for black artists no, at that time in America to be that radical and then you no. know, still try to it's have a livelihood Yeah, because I was listening to, um, it was an interview with LL Cool J and he was talking about, um, a time that actually, um, like right at the beginning of Kobe's career in basketball, he uh -huh. was also trying to be a rapper. Oh. Um, and it was like his, it wasn't his rookie, but it might have been a sophomore season, like his second season in the league. He was doing this like whole like legit gangster rap oh, really? album. And L Cool J said that like he met with him and it was like trying to get feedback from L Cool J or whatever. And he's like, he said, I listened to it all. Da, da, da. And I just sat with him and said, you cannot release this. Like <laughs> what you're trying to do, right? What you're trying to do is not going to be furthered by this. Mm. You're going to be labeled as this. You're going to be put in this. And this is going to mess up, you know, the rest of your career in this because this is not, you know, kind of the voice that you can have at this time. Yeah, you know, yeah. like you will... <laughs> squash any social capital that you yeah. have um and so it's just like to think about what he was doing in the 70s with this album and like today it's not outrageous it's still like poignant but it was pretty outrageous then yeah. and barry gordy is like totally in his mind to be like no we're not gonna wreck this whole ship like yeah it's hard enough to do the music and to keep it popular and then to have <laughs> right because i mean that was my perception of that that dynamic of their label and and their relationship yeah their particular marvin. relationship too and is that marvin convinced them to take a chance they did the single it was great they got the what's going on album it was wonderful and then he turns out the next chapter of it and then they're both just they can't do it and yeah. they, don't, they don't feel like it's gonna I mean, it's like, you know, it's shooting in the dark. Like, they don't oh, know yeah. if they're going to hit the target again and if it's going to have the same impact like it was Absolutely. before. Yeah, and there's just no way. And I think, like, well, the 60s and the 70s were such a time that it was like, you know, a lot of things probably worked then that would never work again, mm. wouldn't have worked before. Um, but you just had such unrest and such sort of confusing things. Because yeah. even, I mean, like, um, this was a little bit earlier, but you had an artist like James Brown, who's not necessarily like politically controversial. Well, not at all, but like socially he was controversial. And when Martin Luther King was assassinated, like he's in large part credited for like saving <laughs> riots in DC. Cause he had a show perform, like he had a show scheduled that night mm. and he was like, telling like don't go riot don't go out there like he was oh, that he voice was of sort of conservatism and saying like look like <laughs> we don't want to blow up all of our homes and all of american cities right now like this is not the moment for that mm. so it's just interesting like i don't know where you know marvin Gaye would have been on that in particular issue if that was you know kind of his genre mm. then you know if like right. he was feeling the same when Martin Luther King, when that happened, um, I don't know if he would be a peacekeeper in that instance, you know, mm. but Barry Gordy and the moment was, we're making money right now. We're making good music. Let's try to 
not rock the boat not and keep that going for yeah. yeah, well cool. but then the following year or I, I i guess two years later it seems like that harsh or that rigid framework of that pop formula and what they're trying to maintain they got looser about it because then they started letting stevie wonder um I guess starting with like the talking book, uh, mm -hmm. be much more open and criticism, a critic, a critic, and then uh, social critic, and then um, also the temptations. Like that, one of my favorites of all time. Like you have them going from um, uh, "Can't Get Next to You." Um, I think that's on is that on Puzzle People um, to uh, a ball of confusion, yeah. which to me is oh, it's one of my favorite. That's one of my all time favorite Motown songs because. I, I love it better than what's going on and, and as an entirety. I'm sorry, but that song to me, uh, 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 Ball of Confusion, is such a culmination of them touching on almost absolutely everything that was going on in that time. And it was like no holds bar. I mean, I want to, I want to, I want to pull up the lyrics really quick. Um, I know I can talk about it more, um, but like you, because I mean, how many people were, were uh, in the Temptations? Can you look that up? Five. Yeah, they had the hand. So you have five. I mean, you have uh, you know people moving out, people moving in because of the color of their skin. Um, uh, vote for me, and I'll set you free. Uh, uh, segregation, determination, demonstration, integration, aggravation, humiliation, obligation to my nation. A ball of confusion. I mean, and and, and that's just literally the the first few stanzas. Uh, but it just, it keeps going. And, and so much of it is still relative to now, you know, I mean, like the sales of pills are at uh, all time high young folks walking around with their heads in the sky. The city's ablaze in the summertime and the beat goes on, uh, evolution, revolution, gun control, sound of soul, shooting rockets to the moon, kids growing up too soon. Politicians say more taxes will solve everything. And the band plays on. I mean, all of this is still right in line, you know, with today. Um, but the, the, I, I mean, I'm just saying like, I, I love that song. That song is so high energy. So, but that one came out, Ball of Confusion was 1970. What's going on was 1971. Yeah. So that was a little bit before. So was it? So I, I thought what's going on was 70. They st started in 70 because they did that like single. It was towards the end of the year. And then 71 is when it came out. Maybe look at the single dates. Cause I think ball of confusion was a single too. Yeah. I, I'm yeah, pretty well. sure ball of confusion comes right after what's going on. Cause I know they're right in that same time period, but yeah. that's, that's the, that's the uptick in that, in that availability of talking about more topics was was Marvin Gaye and the Temptations. I mean, at least to me, but I mean, like the ball confusion to me is such a, a pinnacle song of of the time of you have 65 oh, for what it's worth. Like we're saying, it's still kind of the, the that palpable feeling of like, you can relate to these things we're talking about. It's it's uneasy. It's you know, time of paranoia and the unease of everything going on. But then the Temptations, it's not just like a broad stroke approach to what's going on. <laughs> They're like this, this, that, 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 and this, you know, it's just like, it's a list of, 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 you know, relative social dynamics that were yeah, messing with like a lot of people. It out. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, but the way they, 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 they say it and, 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 and then to define the earth as not a, a, um, a collective which is saying it's a ball of confusion it's chaos you know that to me because i because you know that like with me like that's that's how i see that's how i like to think about the world is it's just it's all chaos it's all a lot of people making a lot of decisions that lead to so much stuff and 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 the way they address so many accurate things that really control american society um that was it was just phenomenal i mean i remember hearing that song on the radio as a kid and and liking the melody because the dun 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 like it's 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 like a I don't know it's a it's a really cool groove but then you 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 have these phenomenal singers and different you know uh, falsettos different octaves everybody singing a little bit different and they're and they're all you know saying their part and I and I think just like to me you know what's going on starting off in that kind of the concept of it being a kind of a, a party in the beginning and stuff like that. It feels like you're in the, you're in a group, you know what I mean? It puts you in that different kind of mindset and, uh, and with the temptations of, of being a, um, a line of singers, 
but not just like a doo-wop, like they're gonna sing the same thing and at different times, like no, they have their own point, you know, cause I, like Can't Get Next to You, that's an awesome song in the same fashion. Yeah. They, 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 they all have their own moments, they have their own licks about um, what they wanna say about, you know, why I can't get next to you, what kind of, you know, I can make the seasons change just by waving my hand, you know, like they all have these fantastic lines, but it's uh, it's the pop, it's, it's pop love formula. Um, but then you give them uh, uh, a chance, a moment to criticize what's going on, and and <laughs> they spell it out in that same nature, just bop bop bop, and they and they, they just bring it home, and and that's one of my favorite Motown songs of that kind of you know era. All right, so Wikipedia, <laughs> um, Bala Confusion was on Greatest Hits for. Um, the Temptations, like Greatest Hits Volume 2 or something like that. And it came out May 7th, 1970. Okay. Um, what's going on? The single, the first one was recorded in June 1st, 1970. And it was released a little bit later. And then they officially released it in 1971. Wow. Um, like June. So they so they did it first. Yeah. That, so that one song was out first. Or wow. January 20 was what's going on. And then Mercy, Mercy Me, they released in June, 1971. Wow, that's crazy. So it was about six months or so yeah, before. That's crazy because I, I never looked at the dates, just the year. I'd always assumed it would be the it would be flipped. Flipped out. What's going on was the first um, uh, chance that they took. So I wonder how that what that conversation was like. That let the temptation to allow, allow them to take such a criticism. I mean, they talk about a lot of stuff. Yeah, they, I mean, and just throw it out there. Like you said, there's one word like blip, blip. Think about it. <laughs> yeah, but but all of it is so relative. Uh, I mean, they even talk about, um, um, what's this line? Because, I mean, they address the Beatles, too. I mean, they don't address the Beatles, but they, they talk about, um, I just want to find it really quick. It's bugging me. I can't remember. Uh, fear in the air, fear in the air, tension everywhere, unemployment rising fast, the Beatles' new records aghast. Um, and the only safe place to live is on an Indian reservation. <laughs> it's just, um, it's, I mean, it's crazy because it, 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 all of it, some of it's like, it's weird because it's like nowadays, maybe it doesn't, you, you have more insight onto like, maybe that doesn't make as much sense. But the, the tension of the un and the unease is so palpable in that song. I mean, up to this point where it's like Eva destruction, tax deduction, city inspectors, bill collectors, uh, mod clothes in demand, population out of hand, suicide, too many bills, hippies moving to the hills, people all over the world shouting out <laughs> in the war and the band plays on. I mean, it's just, I mean, they touch on everything and it's such a, a stellar song. Well, I think of, uh, like you we touched on this earlier, is that you look at the, 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 the producing, the studio, the production, the, the who's the driving force behind this group. Um, and you see uh, Gordy, uh, Barry Gordy. You see him. You know the Motown. They they know they've got the sound. They're making the they're making the money, and but they also realize, hey, people want that kind of thing. They want to hear some music about what's going on. Hmm. You know what what's happening in our culture, and they see it selling. And so, because I'm curious about who is it that wrote that song? Because it wouldn't have been the Temptations. They didn't. I don't think they wrote. Yeah, those. I was looking up that too. It's just the the writing team for for Motown. For, yeah, so, for yeah, Motown. because it's interesting so when you were reading that lyric. And Norman Whitfield. You said Eve of Destruction. Well, that was a song by Barry McQuinn from from the Birds. He wrote a song called Eve of Destruction. Mm -hmm. So they're referring to even titles of songs and things that are happening specific, but then also just all kinds of different. So it's almost like someone writing a, a social, uh, you know, critique, you know, like a, of all the little things that they see. But I'm, I'm what I'm leading to is they. The Temptations obviously being highly successful and brilliant at what they were doing. I mean, they were a brilliant singing group. So they 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 sing that, but then there's a difference between that and and uh, Marvin Gaye saying, "I want to do a whole concept album. I'm gonna I'm gonna produce it. I'm gonna write it. I'm gonna play stuff on it. I'm gonna make. I'm even gonna be in control of the liner notes of the album. I'm gonna write stuff. My, I'm gonna do all of it myself." Mm. Well, now this is a scary thing because you're letting an artist have that much control, control and power. Yeah. And, and 
you're telling us how you're going to do the whole thing. In other words, you're not just talking about one song. Oh, and it's not just a pop song you're talking about. You're talking about a conceptual album, talking about society issues, the war. Um, you're going to write about things that people don't really, we don't know if they want to buy that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know I mean? Well, and you got to think the producers are looking at all these artists as investments on, they're looking at the oh, ROI on time. everything. You know, they want to see the return on investment. And, you know, Marvin's been a great um, and, asset to the Motown company. Is the, mm -hmm. is, yep. the, is the hit machine. Yeah. I and mean, it's kicking out songs that are big money. Yeah. Now, the other thing I want to point out is he's doing, in a sense, if, if I may refer to this way, he is the first time you see black artists responding on the level of the Beatles. He's doing something that he's in control. He wants to make observations. He's going to create all the music. He's going to sh to write what he wants to write about. But I thought that Ray Charles had that before. Well, if he did, he, he, was, he wasn't doing anything. But not, I mean, not a concert. Ray Charles like did that and then like went into did that country album that flopped. Yeah, uh, yeah he he might have <laughs> ref referenced certain things, but this is Gay is doing it on a level that's like the Beatles doing Sgt. Pepper. In other words, like. Well, what do you mean you're going to do that? And how are you going to do that? And well, it's like what I was talking about uh, the other day. Uh, I'm, I'm forgetting what the, the album is even. Um, but like the album right before what's going on is like it's pure pop. It's all pop. It's, mm -hmm. it's pure formula. And, and it's so crazy because it's like to me, you, you listen to the Beatles, you can see you can see or you can hear their their progression. You can watch their ease in the, the, the psychedelic era or into, you know, being critical of certain topics and yada, 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 all their different fashions. You could watch it unfold. But with Marvin Gaye, it was like it's much more like pop and then boom. Yeah, this came out and this is him. It's over. This is really him. Yeah. And the way that they were producing things, I mean, like you just had so many songs and you did year after year after year after year, you were releasing something because it was, mm -hmm. you know, they weren't the artists themselves weren't writing all the songs. Oh, so yeah. you could have just like 15 songwriters well, and they're like, that was the crazy oh, we just need this, this. Yeah. Get in here and sing it. Let's go. Yeah. That's the crazy thing of music at that time. Cause I mean, um, that's what's interesting. I mean, for I mean, for me especially because I mean, I had no experience of that, and my perspective on music output was like the artists led the the charge on kind of the how frequently they would do it. I mean, you would have super driven people like I'm just talking about modern artists strictly, uh, like 2000 on, like of uh, like Portugal the man that you know they they just love what they're doing, so they would release an album every year just because they loved it. They were just in the creative setting. But do you have other people like I don't know? You say like Coldplay even that they would take two or three years and and work their way up to the next one, workshop it or or whatever. Um, there's just so much more uh, critique and heavy uh, uh, work on what you're producing, and and Sergeant Pepper was kind of the changing of that guard of that, of that address, uh, approach to music. Cause I remember in, in, um, interviews and, and recounts, I read about that time period of the Beatles not touring. And then they're in the studio for like, like a year or, or six months. Like when it would have taken them like a month or like two weeks to, to spit out their next album, it took them half a year because it was so much studio work. It was production. It wasn't just like, we have it all written, come in and just perform it, you know? Um, and that's what's different about McCartney's first album with Wings is uh, they do it the old school approach. I don't know if a lot of people know that, but with the, their first album is kind of wonky. It's very different from their the later on albums because they they did it old so school. Fast. They showed up and they performed it and recorded it cleaned it up and then that was it there was no like okay now you do the piano by itself and we'll fill that in, in the beginning no they didn't do that you come in and you perform it re-record it and then we'll cut it and that's it and um and so with sergeant pepper you had like, all this layering and, and intense studio work and that that inspired people like um uh, brian wilson you know like with pet sounds i mean i i can't remember what he says but i'm pretty sure he said he went to at least four different studios for yeah. particular things you know i'll go to this studio on the that east was side in documentary yeah. yeah because the 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 strings sound so much better out of here i'll go out of here because the vocals are better here and and you could be more particular yeah. and so uh, but it, it's hard to prove itself you know what i mean and 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 so you have this weird balance now i imagine the labels had to address of like do we 
give them a lot of time to like really work on something and make it complex and new? Or do we stick to the same formula every six months, pump it out. We have the writing team, we have the session drummers and the, yeah. and the artists just knock it out. I think it depends on the labels too. Absolutely. Cause they, you know, some labels were more underwater in different areas and they needed yeah. like, <laughs> I need to have my like right Consistency. now. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So, well, that's that's I mean. You don't have the time yeah, to it's money. Maybe just like money. recouping it's investment. Yeah. Yeah. Recouping that cost. So, like when they did the math on some of these artists of like how much you put into an album and promoting it um to like when you know that artist will get royalties it's like you know millions of dollars before like it's sales that the artist has to have before they'll make that money back and actually like see those returns on the end without doing shows or whatever right it's like just album sales you have to get so many so many so many points yeah. and so many dollars it's like unless you're doing that you're not worth it and right. so like i sign a contract you get three albums and it's like well i need that money real fast because we've promoted you yeah and it's like we're gonna stay on the name that we've created with this album so get this other one out so that you can still be biting on that we don't have to like basically dig a deeper hole in order right. to promote yeah. you know for this album and well, that's do the that out thing about marvin Gaye, and right before what's going on is he's not touring he doesn't have his proven duet partner uh he him, him he's still independently struggling with depression and all these things and on you know it just it's an interesting thing that, that maybe that was it maybe again his familial tie to barry maybe that was the leniency yeah. angle of like you know what are you doing like why aren't you you're not doing your job you know what i mean like yeah, that, I, yeah and 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 for them to give them a chance you know now again that was the 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 method is release the single the album follows the single and it will you know tie it all together and they had success with the single um but i just it's you know it's almost very surprising when you see the dynamics of the industry at that time of that they gave them a shot they literally they let them try it um and and who knows who knows i mean the fact that the temptations had that single before him you know i don't maybe the fact that that single didn't tank the temptations you know maybe that was their uh, another uh, inch towards that yeah. angle of like okay well marvin's already uncalibrated uh we have another you know premium artist that just released a single in the same kind of manner and it didn't kill it didn't kill it you know, it didn't end anything. So let's give him a shot because we got to get our guy back, you know. But then he goes on. That's the interesting thing is he has a live album of what's going yeah. on. And he performs it in the same manner of the album. But when he does it live, he's in the suit again. He's shaving. It's like he goes back to the, the old thing. So I wonder if that was the negotiation of like, we're going to do this to get you back in the vibe. And then but you, you're still on our label don't forget about right. that well yeah. in a sense it's kind of like you, you dress the way we know it appeals to your audience but you can do your music just don't come out looking like a hippie you know don't come out with yeah. your beard and look yeah. yeah. ratted out because they're not ready for that yeah. but I think at the same time they're 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 recognizing, hey, these kids that used to like those pop songs, these are the kids that are in the colleges now. Mm. They're they're the ones that are protesting. They're the ones going to Vietnam. Yeah, we got to we better release music that that appeals to them well, because we want to keep that keep coming. the machine going. Yeah. We want to keep going. Well, like I touched with Buffalo Springfield, that that was very much a strong dynamic in the market. In the music market was the youth. The youth was buying more music than anyone. And, and, and that, that's what started to change the, um, the focal point of, of the culture. industry changed yeah, or any culture, yeah. like, like media culture, I guess is, is if you're going to, if you're going to focus on what to market off of what's selling the best, well, mm -hmm. the youth were buying the most. So they yeah. were starting to offset and making a new aggregate of like, it's not just the, the oldest existence that holds the most importance of opinion no it's the aggregate it's the what's what's at the top of that curve of who who's buying the most well oh it's 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 the things critiquing the times as we see them it's the um you know it, things were changing and you it has to be an artist interests. who can pull it off musically who can do it with that with it and make it in a way that people want to listen to it yeah in other words sorry yoko i mean it's not going to be someone who <laughs> They may make music, but nobody wants to hear what they're doing right, because yeah. they don't like their style or they don't like the way they sing. Well, and that's the that's the phenomenal um, thing about people like 
Marvin Gaye or, or John Lennon or, or, or anyone that, that wrote these very heavy critiques of society is the, the reason why they, they're still on the greatest hits albums uh, uh, for the entire label or yada yada is, or they still hold rele- relevancy today is because they were, they were masters at their craft. And now you're giving them a chance to uh, introduce their true perspective on things that give them anxieties that make them human. Right. You know, like, let's put it like that. Right. It's like, it's not just like, Oh, that's, that's John Lennon. He's, you know, he, everything he, 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 you know, he writes, it's gotta be, you know, the next big thing, or it's gotta be something that no one's ever said before, but no, it's actually not just that it's, it's a very, um, human moment. It's a very impersonal admission to how they feel about things and especially i mean i i don't want to change the topic but especially like with john lennon like you see him go from this uh pop icon like the leader of the beatles and he slowly slips out of that you know of that uh that role and 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 then um but i mean he's still a a driving force for the beatles but he's not the one telling them like this is how it's going to be like this is you know this is the direction because you didn't have the the same uh producer dynamics with epstein and all these other people but um but by the time john is free of it he's because he's over the fame he's over the fame of being a beetle and what that means because people would come to him talking to him like they knew him but they don't really know him and and he's just over that 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 position in his life and then when he makes his first solo album with uh, the plastic yoko uh, uh plastic yoko uh, plastic ono band oh, my, band. Band. Uh, my yeah. half of it's like protest music um you know he makes a single power to the people uh just give me truth um, and that eventually came, went on to imagine but um, but in that first album, you get a, pers- uh, a glimpse at the real John Lennon. He, he talks about his mom. He talks about his 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 relationship with Paul. I mean, all these all these crazy things. But it took him to move out of the producer. I guess world. I just I just think that that's kind of the nature of commercial art, though. You're always going to have that give and play, like you know, movies now. Um, how they talk about the state of movies is saying like we're going to like workshop it so they'll make a movie and then you have those preview those screener audiences and Mm -hmm. if it's like good or bad like they'll go back to those notes and whatever like um, they're doing that for music except there's just fewer people you know kind of in the room and saying like well this is the taste that we're kind of going after this is the deal like sure oh you're gonna release that like but like but to for him, because I'm, I'm saying like that was his first solo album. You, you're stepping out of the pop world. And I know like his world was different because at those last few years of the Beatles, they had a lot of control over their own output. But now it was, I don't have to agree with other people. Like, this is fully my poetry. This is fully my perspective. Like, you know, like his song, God, where he just, you know, tears apart so many things that he doesn't believe in. Like he doesn't find factual truth in. And, and he just, he just lists them off, you know, and then ends it with, with the Beatles and, and just the fact that he believes in himself and the future that he can create. Um, you didn't, you never got that. You never got that because he had to agree with everyone else in the production. And so as soon as you give him the freedom mm-hmm. to do it, then you get the real insight. Now, is it true? Is, you know, all the things he's saying true? Well, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just the way he's going to work it. But, but, but any artist wouldn't get momentum that way. But he had the momentum. I was going to say, yeah, John I still think like and, that goes back to like how we produce them. So it's like you need a whole bunch of people to at least be on board. I mean, there's some like individual artists that are just like, wow, you're so awesome. Like, just sort of Keep go going. forth and do yeah. but a lot of times it's like well yeah i'll take this song and you know work that and then you'll build that up and then like even a john mayer like john mayer's first album i don't think he wrote like the actual lyrics and stuff like mm. i didn't think he was writing until maybe the third or fourth and then he sort of dropped off on that like major pop scale but he was still a talent right mm. so he was able to do what he wanted to do here and there and then just play music so i i don't know, i think it's the commercial art aspect of it like yeah. even if you're by yourself and you supposedly have that like you need at least a room full of people buying on to you to sort of absolutely do it well because you need you need, cause, well again we're talking about return on investment and at that time yeah. 
this is not this isn't modern times where like it's it's very cheap to put stuff on streaming and because streaming itself is a is a low income type of uh, scenario anyways um but at that point it was a huge investment it was physical marketing it was physical media it was i mean everything was physical i mean a lot of it was was you know physical records physical billboards or you had to tune into the the five channels that were available and watch yeah. the talk show and you had to get the hit the bill on that talk show and you had to meet their rules. You know, it's like to be on the show, you can't play the song. You have to rewrite that lyric. Cause we don't like that. Yeah. The TV show doesn't like that. Absolutely. You know, like with the doors, you know, like when they played light my fire, you know, they told them you, you don't, you can play the song. We want that specific song, no others, but you cannot say the line, uh, girl, we couldn't get much higher. Don't say that. If you don't say that, we're all good. And they're like, okay, cool. And then Morrison was like, yeah, no, <laughs> that's like a part of the song. That's our song. And so he sings it on live TV and it rolls. And, uh, but that, you know, it, it, there were so many rules at play there. And, and that was the interesting thing uh, about the Beatles is uh, like what we were saying about uh, just a little earlier about uh, comparing them to Bowie and just their um, their understanding of society and yada yada, but their experiences, them being impressed upon by other artists, whether they're musical or painters like Salvador Dali or, or whoever they're meeting or Andy Warhol or all these eccentric people. But that was like the high end society. You know, you can't just check into Andy Warhol's Twitter and get to, sure. to know who he was. You had to know him. You had to be in the group. And then, and that was a cool thing about the Beatles is they, they would take that exposure and that impression, and then they would flood their music yeah, with it, their art. And they would bring that, that Renaissance or that experience to the masses. And uh, whether on purpose or on accident, you know, it gave people a bridge to that, that level of artistry of, of expression. Um, and that wasn't typical because it's not what you that wasn't marketable and and then the market started to shift to what the again what the youth was interested in and then the beatles at the same time in the same era they had their own label they bought it out they were the owners they they steered the ship themselves and uh so they started talking about whatever they wanted to talk about Hmm. um but yeah but with with marvin gay it's um it's interesting because he he continues to be self-expressive and um and change his sound and 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 i don't know he didn't he didn't waver you know like he didn't like because i know he produced a lot of his stuff from that point on but it wasn't like um well then he's single and then he goes into the sexual healing mode and that's yeah. kind of all yeah. with the latter yeah <laughs> he goes from one end to the other yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. and and i mean that like I mean, yeah. And what, I mean, what's that about? Like, I wonder why he, I think it reflects his upbringing. Cause why his dad was a Pentecostal preacher. Yeah. Just mm, so he was raised in spiritual environment. And I think, you know, I'm sure he came up singing gospel and, and then he starts to do pop. And I'm sure that was considered by people that he grew up with to be bad or, or not the kind of music that they think he should sing. And, then he finds his own voice and he starts to do his own thing. But he has these, I think his swings are from what he felt like he knew from the spiritual side of things. But then he would go to that sensual side, you know, mm. sexual healing and, you know, uh, let's get it on. I mean, that he could do that. He could do that. I mean, he, and then they find out, wait a minute, this makes a lot of, this makes a lot of money. Yeah. You know, we make these songs and man, people are buying like crazy. So he's like, yeah, but what about what's going on? And like, yeah, okay, you can sing that too, but you know, you got to drop some of this stuff because this is what the people want. Mm. And you know, Gay was smart. He knew the industry and he saw that's how you had to do it. I mean, you had to do some pop, you had to do something. I mean, and, and again, this is Motown, you know I mean? This is the hit machine. This thing is driven by, by hits. And so, and, and he's probably feeling somewhat obligated. Obviously they dropped a big chunk of money on him. So he's going to kick out that money. He's going to kick out the songs that make money. But at the same time, he has that personal side of him that can be very spiritual and personal. He wants to do that. He wants to, but he knows, but I can't do it all the time because that's not going to necessarily make money, mm. you know, and he doesn't do what the Beatles do. He doesn't make his own label. He doesn't create his own studio recording studio. So it's interesting with him. He's an interesting dynamic of he, he finds his own niche, but he still has to deal with the power of Motown mm. and, and the influence of, of, of what a, what a, what a music machine does, a hit machine does. Mm. 
Um, and you see him in his own struggles with his, with his ups and downs and his problems that he has. Um, when did he pass away? Was it 80? Was three. it 83? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was looking it up. Let's see. 84. Okay, yeah, 84. And it was his dad, right? Yeah, his dad. Do y'all know what that scenario was? Like, why that happened? I knew at one time, but now... Because wasn't he staying with his parents? Like, at that point? He was staying with them to take care of his mother. And his dad could be very volatile. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if it was because that's the way he was, or maybe he was losing... He was dementia. You know what I mean? Maybe he was losing it. Well, I mean, he... He recounts like it was never like a healthy relationship. No, in any no, no, that no. He was always volatile and physical and a highly aggressive person. Yeah. And I guess it was just like a fight over different finances and different things that were happening and just got out of hand. And he shot him, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No bueno. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, he's a pretty eccentric person. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it would be, uh, I don't know if there's any, like, comparison to him and that sort of shift politically, anyway, hmm. of any other artist, like, that started out as kind of one thing and then did that. I mean, that's why I brought up Lennon, because he's the only one I could think of. That but Lennon had more of a transition. Like, you could see it happening. Yeah. Like him talking about revolution and with the Beatles and, and all these other criticisms, but it's like, the reason why I bring it up is because as soon as he was free of the Beatles and he was the full-fledged writer, you know, direction, that's like a majority of what it was, was social criticisms and, and yeah. protest, you know, addresses. Um, yeah, because with Marvin Gaye, this seems just like that one, two, if that You're the Man when it came out, like, you know, that would have been three. And yeah. That would have been the only three albums that were like that, yeah. of like the seventeen twenty or whatever that he was on. That's interesting. Maybe Sam Cooke, but Sam Cooke didn't have a whole protest album. He right. kind of had like a... Like a change uh, is going to come. Yeah, like an over of... <laughs> I'm hitting you on the top with this all throughout yeah. the music. You just love it. Um, yeah, I don't know if anybody else had that turn like that. Yeah, because I, well, I feel like anyone else, for the most part, honestly, post-70s, I don't know. This is a very broad statement. And, and if this becomes an episode, please people correct me. But, um, I mean, anyone else after that, I feel like they start off that way. Like if they're going to talk about those topics, that's, that's their first step anyways. You know, like, I, I mean, this is more uh, modern, but like I'm talking, thinking about people like rage against the machine and certain rappers that like, right on the on on the front front uh, first stage first album that that's all it is is social criticisms and 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 critiques and and stuff like that um because i'm trying to think about our artists that are other artists that transition from more of a pop what happens too is some of them do it but they they can't pull it off it's not successful yeah because some people won't accept that particular artist dipping into political views social views criticisms authentic anyway yeah they don't feel it's authentic Mm -hmm. they don't feel it fits his style marvin Gaye pulls it off because he can his voice is you know it's it does something that you listen to him because he has that uniqueness in his voice his Mm -hmm. ability to sing but it also it also shows his ability as an artist as a musician he's producing he's writing he's he's creating he's doing all these things before the Motown machine did that for him and so but now he's doing it just like the Beatles mm-hmm. they're doing they're going in and saying we're going to do this and we're going to make that and we're going to touch this and create that and do this and write that and people aren't going in there and saying no let me rewrite that you know you can't do this no you're going to do that so again you see that that it's unique in some of these artists but some artists try to do it People just don't accept it. They yeah. don't. They're like, we don't want that. We don't. We don't want you doing that. Doesn't yeah. fit your image, or yeah, or you have someone like. Well, I mean, there's a wide variety, but just another icon you get throw out there is like Neil Young. That like almost a majority of his albums have like one song at least that's like critic, you know, critical yeah. song critical. of society or the current president or 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 an incident that happened in American history or or whatever, you know. Um, I mean, you could throw out so many with him, like Ohio and 
keep rocking the free world and there's a bunch, but, or, or just to see how he, he interacts with the crowd, you know, like you said at concerts where like he, he'll go on a rant about what's happening right now and his, you know, criticism of the, again, the current president, whether it's Bush or, or whoever. Um, but yeah, but again, but he's kind of always been that, you know, like even with Buffalo Springfield, like they, they, it was a more subtle, you know, maybe broad kind of touch on things. But then as he got more independent, he was much more precise on what he wants to criticize. Uh I could say maybe Green Day is one I'm finding. Hmm. Oh, that's true. From just like uh, punk rockish to, uh, to, uh, American idiot. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Well, I think of um, it's kind of an odd example, but you look at Marlon Brando, who was known for being a great actor, and so when he gets the Oscar, yeah, uh, oh, that's he, right, he has an Indian. He rejects it. He sends an Indian woman out, an American Indian woman, to to read a statement. Yeah, he rejects right. the Oscar, and he does. He says it's because of the treatment of the American Indians, and mm. and so instead of people embracing it, they reject it because they're like, come on, you're Marlon Brando. What does that matter? We know see it as for the, uh, as a stunt. Well, and not only that, he's, he's known for being over the top and flamboyant and full of himself. So they're like, so you want to be socially interested (laughs) in, you know, we know you're more interested in yourself than you are the American Indians. So so I'm saying sometimes it doesn't come off right because they're like, that doesn't fit who you look well, like it's almost like if you try to do that today i feel like a lot of people like um you know immediately on the, in the youtube comments and twitter comments oh, yeah, would be like, like you're just doing it for its profitability yeah, you know you're yeah. just you're jumping on to the times as they are Are you doing it as a launching pad for your next career your next move right. your next album your next yeah. your next movie you know <laughs> what i mean it's, <laughs> but, i mean but those are those are real games yeah they are play yeah. i mean like kanye you know kanye is a you know phenom at that type of game of going out to the public and saying some kind of or doing some kind of stunt that's just jarring enough to get attention and then a month later he drops his album and it's like well, well, he kind of did the opposite though he started out more political than he <laughs> than he is now or has been i feel like he's still pretty lately. political dude <laughs> but not in not in the music Mm. You know, like what he actually stands for is like in the art. Anyway, he was more oh, like what's translated. What said, yeah, mm. and what he said and the things that he was working with at the beginning, um, and then he was, you know, just the fool outspoken with <laughs> the Katrina and oh yeah, whatever. I mean, if he just wants to be everywhere, you know, in that mix and in that circle, he's definitely, I guess, political now, but mm. not in his art per se unless this is all a setup for mm. the next, next Kanye <laughs> right right well i mean but literally i mean uh, i mean that would be a great episode too to uh try and um dissect the history of kanye's like marketing um not ability but successes you know like things that i mean like like with trump but like you know like i've talked about this with other people that like trump has has really kind of hijacked the media formula of like you know like he'll say things that are are rough around the edges but he'll sometimes i I feel like he'll do it because he knows it'll get rippled his face you know his face and his message will go everywhere and then he'll stay in the media he'll stay in the loop i mean he's already in the loop because he's the freaking president but if he does a little extra that little spice on the something then he's 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 everywhere even more so and and i've always been familiar with that ploy or that play because of kanye because i don't know if you so you think kanye is doing those like intentionally yeah like it's like cynically almost of saying like i'm gonna say this because it gets like i think Kanye is the type of person where it's like he just will say these things in that moment, and this is one thousand percent what he believes. But there's just been putting it forward. I mean, there's been at least, and that's why I want to kind of dig into that more because I know just because you know I've been a, a big fan of his since like I don't know two thousand nine, and then I mean, and then onward. But but I've just seen so many like moments of him doing something. Or saying something like just having some kind of media stunt uh, or a perceived media stunt and then like literally like six months to a year later like his album comes out like a new album comes out and and like i know he's just a, a highly televised he's a big personality so it's gonna be in there anyways but i, it just I, just, I mean i don't so think that he's like i would label 
Trump as more cynical, like just meaning there's a separation from what he might privately think to what he publicly says and the reasoning behind he might say something. Mm. something. I don't think that Kanye has that sort of cynical relationship to his but, public. But I feel like, like Kanye is aware. Calculating it. I think he's like. I feel like he knows. Me. He knows, though, to stay away from certain outlets. But then he entertains them right before he's going to do something. And then that drums up. But okay, so I guess this is what I'm really trying to say is just like any other artist that'll go on Jimmy Fallon because their book's about to come out or they'll go on Jay Leno because their movie's about to come out, whatever. He does that, but he does it very loudly. Like he'll do it, he'll come out to the public and then do something or say something and like drum up interest in like a, a major way. Because I mean, he'll say some weird stuff on his Twitter anyways, but then there'll be something where he'll go on TMZ and then all of a sudden say, you know, whatever and then all of a sudden you know four to six months later his album comes out see but i also think of that as being like he wears like his stress on his sleeve he wears his heart on his mm. sleeve so if he's working hard about something that's all he's going to be about and if they're giving him a platform like how am i talking about this i'm going to be like super weird and da -da -da -da, like you're going to know about this like well, you know just how he hypes everything that he well but does. but then he's a, he's a member of the kardashian family and i just feel like that's you know chris chris now is, they are very cynical i feel but they but come across as semi-genuine and do work the market yeah sure. yeah but no yeah that's what i'm saying and so they that's why i just feel like it's yeah, that's what i'm saying i, I want to dig into but this kanye was doing like, that before no i know i know trend. but but i know he was <laughs> but that's what i'm saying is that's why i want to dig into it more because i it's hard for me to uh, re recap some of the, the timelines but i because i've had this conversation with multiple people about how it always seems like he does something really just out there enough and then he releases something and like i mean it's a great it is a i mean that that i mean a lot of like just like the phrase of any press is good press it i mean that it, that does apply to any artist i mean any major artist as long as you get it out there then awesome that's what you're trying to do is get it out there um I mean, I don't know how we got here, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, but it's just, I don't know, another interesting person, but, uh, sure. you could talk all day about that guy though. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It is interesting though, like to see, um, somewhere from that time period going back to Marvin Gaye, you know, be such a accomplished, um, you know, it, it fit, fitting that formula, that, that production, music production formula, and just, I mean, just doing phenomenally, um, but then wanting to take the reins, you know, himself after having a, a heavy season, like we had just talked about before of, of being under pressure of, you know, losing people, losing your, um, your appreciation for maybe a, a certain form of society or, or lo lose, like losing your comfort in society because you're realizing like even my own kin that went off to war thinking that they're doing the right thing can't even come back and be received well. Um, and then, you know, a close friend dying and, yeah. and, and not having control over your own career paths because you always have to meet the, the bill of someone else in order to even be seen by the public. You know, I mean, that's just like, oh, I can only imagine how frustrating that could be, especially, again, not being in a public seat like you would be today, that if he had a five-year pop career, uh, he'd have a million followers already. So as soon as he wanted to stem off into his own thing, that'd be a pretty easy approach. But then it was like, oh, there's so many people that he has to keep in in his life to mm -hmm. just keep that you know level of success, and then he nails it. Um, so yeah, I mean, what, what's going on is a phenomenal album, and then uh, "You're the Man" is is also very good. I mean, the, the, some of it, it you can tell it's a compilation. Like it must have been some loose tracks that they had that they threw on there too that they never got released for him. But I know a majority of it was supposed to be the follow-up album, and it's very good. Again, my, my preferred tracks off of that one are, are um, Where Are We Going? That's literally part two to what's going on. Uh, Piece of Clay, that's a great approach to you know his perspective on uh, relationships and stuff and control. Um, and then what was the last one? Oh, I, I'm, I'm Going Home. That one's an awesome one because to me, that song almost sounds like like he was just coming out of that era of I'm kind of over it. And he kind of wants a simple retreat. He wants a simple solution like anybody else in the world. I want an easy one. I want to go home where it's or easy. Or being spiritual. You know, in other words, I'm, yeah. I'm going home. I want to just, just get out of here. I want, to, I, want, I want to know where I'm going. 
I want to know where I'm going and I want to go home. You Somewhere know, familiar. Yeah. To the place that they talk about the place, the end. I don't, I'm, you know, green it's, pastures. It's yeah. over. And I mean, I'm tired of stuff. You know I mean? He had to have been tired of certain things at yeah. that point. Cause I mean, again, but, that's a familial song. He's like, I'm going home to see my mother, going home to see my dear old dad going home like i mean that's that's the main chorus that he lists off how he's and that's interesting now that song is it is a, a very uh, intimate song because he's not just talking about the excitement of going to his fam see his family he addresses each person he's going to see and he says exactly what he's going to do you know i'm going to go home put my arm around you i'm going to go home like that's the whole thing the whole song mm -hmm. is him listing the people and what he wants to do and and that expression especially during that time i mean I mean, to me, it just gives off the feeling of that's what he really wanted. He wanted yeah. the simplicity of the family dynamic, and well, he like never we, maybe we had see that. see with mega superstars, like we talked about, you know, about uh, comparison, uh, comparisons of Michael Jackson to Marvin Gaye. You look at those guys who lived in such a massive, you know, high energy, top of the charts. Everything's theirs. They can do whatever they want. So they're in, they're in, sometimes they're living in, in lives of excess or demand, you know, where it's like Michael Jackson, all he knew is being a kid is you're, you, hey, you got to kick out those songs. You got to yeah. get those songs. So things are taken from you, childhood, normal situations. You don't have normal situations. Right. So it could be that that explains Marvin Gaye's uh, dual personality. He has that normal side of him. It's like, you know what? I'd love to just go home to be with my right. family and to enjoy normal things. But also I'm a part of this wild world. Well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm partying, I'm, I'm doing whatever I want. And, and those two would clash and you can see it in his music where sometimes he's very spiritual and very about familiar things. He's talking about common stuff, but then he just wants to talk about sexual healing. I mean, you know, and that's, so is that not, it, that may market it be marketing, but it's also that side of his personality that was like, Hey, this is the wild side. You know what I mean? That's that hey, I'm that, but I'm this. Yeah. And, and so you see, him, and then you see it in, in those kind of, in those, in those legendary people, you know, where there's part of them that wants the normalcy, but then there's a part of them that has become accustomed to the to the craziness of that right. world that they're yeah. that they've well, been like we're talking about with Prince. bleeding artists is is that's when they become more relatable. You know, it's like if you're talking about human things, human stressors and anxieties, or just uh, pleasures, it's like that's when you'll become more relatable to your audience. Is maybe not trying to make it sound so simple. You know, maybe that's how you become a a, a a good pop ticket, but to become relatable and and sensible and 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 heavy right that's a that's a, a a big achievement in music yeah well yeah one of the best one of the best well you don't have anything else right. Tim for me <laughs> yeah, that's a good one well, a classic i don't have one of his albums um in physical i've been always i've been waiting because i want to find his uh, uh, i should have brought i want to find a real one of what's going on um but um yeah, it's a good one. Awesome. Thank you for listening. For more episodes, visit our website, musicmythpodcast.com, and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Goodbye. <laughs>